Sports Professor Rick Harrow, and we are on the record. Every week, this podcast will take you inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports, the top deal-making issues, the top tech issues, and the top social responsibility issues, plus a blockbuster interview with someone who you might not have heard from in the world of sports, but having a profound effect on its impact. Let's get started. Sports Professor Riccardo inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. What a great time to be on the record as we focus on life after Super Bowl, waste management, Phoenix, heading to the NBA All-Star Game, and other mega events with significant economic consequences. So let's look at the deal-making issues. Three to one. Three. Fan Craze adds 12 English county cricket clubs to their trader partnership portfolio. See the whole list, including Sussex, Derbyshire, Durham, and others. The IPL, Delhi Capitals, Chennai Super Kings, there are a whole lot of them. The English County ecosystem is big. The Web 3.0 journeys allow them to offer new experiences to fans and to deepen engagement with younger audiences and that's deal-making issue number three. Two. CAA announces a comprehensive media rights arrangement with CBS Sports. New four-year extension with CBS, providing the conference with more nationally televised basketball games than ever before. The Colonial Athletic Association started in 2023 with the CBS Sports Network, televising at least 20 regular season games, and Flow Sports takes up the difference. The eight-figure agreement with Flow Sport, the most lucrative media rights deal in league history, over 1,200 games airing annually, including the majority of conference championships. One. Fox believes Super Bowl 57 sets a viewership record. We're sure that the bottom line is it is bigger than ever, including a tremendous end. The Super Bowl 56 between the Bengals and Rams generated viewership of about 112.3 million, but look at the excitement generated by this particular game. And you also factor in the out-of-home audience, which from 2018 to 20 was issued separately from the final nationals and the drop-off from nearly 115 million to 18 shy of 100 million. But of course, that's not relevant. You ought to add total viewers to maximize advertising dollars and the results off the charts. Deal-making issue number one. Well, There are a lot of other issues around Super Bowl, and one was the ability for people to see, touch, and feel, promote Bell Bank Park Legacy Sports in Mesa, a few miles outside of downtown Phoenix, 194 fields and courts, the largest sports entertainment facility in North America, 100,000 non-team athletes, 20,000 team athletes, 600,000 total, 137,000 roommates, and on and on. The demographics are amazing, and post-COVID became the second most visited entity in the state behind only the Grand Canyon. And in terms of overall spectator facilities, 26 out of 925 in last year's attendance. They have 250 sporting events, and they clearly have a number of other major facilities, which we were able to tour in a visit including 57 indoor volleyball and 41 pickleball courts. But that's not all. They're executive vice president and one of the key figures with Legacy Sports. 
Dan O'Brien holds the world record as a decathlete, 1992, wins the Olympics in 1996. Everybody remembers the Dan and Dave campaign. Dan didn't make it, Dave did, but Dan shined four years later. The bottom line is he is a creative business entrepreneur, writes a book called The Gold Medal Plan for Reaching Your Real Performance, and his bottom line clearly transcends the book. There's a lot you can learn from Dan O'Brien about life, about Bell Bank Park, about youth sports. Here's Dan now. For, for people that don't remember, let's do it. Let's start. Okay, Talk okay. about Dan today. Well, what's interesting is um, we hadn't had an Olympic champion since right. 1976 in the decathlon. The U.S. had a stranglehold on the decathlon in the, in the 40s and 50s and right. 60s. Uh, Bruce Jenner was the right. last American to win the gold right. in 76. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, our goal as a, as a group of decathletes in the 90s was to bring back that gold medal. And really one of the, one of the programs that made Dave Johnson and I really famous was uh, a commercial campaign, Dan versus Dave, Reebok who's the world's greatest athlete to be settled in Barcelona. And so right. Dave and I did a number of commercials leading up to the Olympic, Olympic trials. And uh, I, uh, I, I, I was the one who stubbed my toe and uh, didn't make the Olympic team in 1992 and had to wait four years later. I had to wait another four years to get my chance at Olympic gold in Atlanta. And I luckily uh, uh, redeemed myself. Well, let, let's segue into that because <laughs> that uh, 96, you know, a lot of people remember a lot of different things about Barcelona, the dream team, all of that stuff. Sure. But, but uh, it, most of us uh, pure athletic uh, uh, historians remember your uh, amazing week. So talk, uh, reflect back on that. Um, in 96? Yeah, 96. So, um, well, it all, I think, I think the week started out phenomenally when Muhammad Ali lit the torch yeah. and just, just uh, melted all of our hearts. Yeah. But I got to experience everything. Um, uh, I got to see the gymnastics team win the Olympic gold, the, the Magnificent Seven. I saw Tom Dolan and Amy Van Dyken swim. Michael Johnson won the 400 meters earlier in the program. But I got, I got scared for a second because there was a bombing in Centennial Park. Yeah. I was in that park just two hours earlier that evening. And then I woke up the next day and I thought, oh my gosh, you're gonna have cancellations. Yeah, yeah. They're, gonna, they're gonna delay this thing. But the show went on and I was able to win Olympic gold medal. And the greatest gift I got in 1996 was sharing the raising of the American flag and the national anthem with 100,000 people in, uh, in Atlanta Stadium. And it was just a, a night that I'll never forget. Michael Johnson won the 200 meters that night and I was the first guy to greet him when he came off the turn. So um, certainly a, 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 a wonderful night and I look forward to the Olympics being back here in the United States in 2028. Yeah, and so 20 some odd years later, what's it like for a, uh, a world renowned historical, uh, gold medal decathlete as far as endorsement opportunities and businesses and the kind of life after the Olympics? You know, I, I looked up to Bruce Jenner um, when I first got started. And one of the things that he said that I'll never forget is that he had a great single, uh, he had a great single accomplishment and then he got to talk about it for the rest of his life. And I said, that's what I want to do. <laughs> um, but it hasn't, you know, certainly hasn't been that, that simple. There's a lot of stars, especially so many Olympic stars come out of each Olympics. And so I've done a number of things since, since I won the gold in 96. I coached at the collegiate level for quite some time. 
Um, I still continue to speak on uh, motivationally, inspirationally, um, but uh, you know, I, I got connected with somebody who had a dream and uh, a group of a group of gentlemen that had the had a dream of of bringing a facility like this to the area. Uh, here in Arizona, and um, it's has been, you know, to me, it's been as inspiring as uh, as going after the Olympic gold medal. So, you know, a number of different opportunities, but I'm still in and around the sport. I love the sport of track and field and broadcast and, and coach and contribute in that area as well. Well, in this context, and yes. you brought it up, uh, what, what, you know, what better? Four million people, uh, you know, 100 and some odd <laughs> thousand uh, room nights, uh, all of these sports, 325 acres of pure pleasure, demographic, male and female, promotion, sponsorship, do the right thing. It's an incredible investment, Legacy Sports, uh, this facility, and the opportunity to scale it on a national basis too. Well, I think everybody really took their clues from, um, their cues, excuse me, from the wide world of sports, no. and nobody really figured out how to replicate right. it, um, but we knew it was possible, but it really started with, with a dream over 20 years ago um, but the whole idea, I think it was, the dream was to provide opportunities for kids to compete in an environment like this, to be on courts and fields and a training area yeah. that you never get to experience in, in your entire life. And, and we knew that by providing those, providing those things for young kids, we're going to see a higher level of, of, of participation. We're going to see a higher, higher level of, you know, kids go to Division One or, you know, go to college, have opportunities and things like that. And my goal as a former Olympic athlete is to inspire the next generation. And hopefully that, you know, hopefully we're doing that here at the, here at the sports park. Well, but everybody has that uh, goal. Uh, you have not only the platform, but you were probably <coughs> one of the top five athletes in the world of all time. How does that sound? Well, that's a little hard to believe, you know, but there's a lot of debate. <laughs> what, I, what, what I love about that is there's, there's always a debate. Who is the world's greatest yeah, athlete? Right. Is it a football player? Is it a basketball player? Um, you know, my dream was always to be mentioned in the same sentence as, as Milt Campbell, Rafer Johnson, Bruce Jenner, Bill Toomey, and of course, Bob Mathias. Yeah. And I, I got a chance to, you know, I, yeah. got, I, got, I got a chance to do that. I was so proud to represent the United States, wear the USA uniform on my chest, and I did that on many occasions. So, you know, what's, what's a little odd is, you know, I accomplished all my goals, goals at age 30, and I had to figure out what to do after that. And the thing that inspires me today is being able to inspire the next generation. Well, and you're doing it here, and you know, you're yes. going to be doing it for the next uh, 50 years here. I don't know how old you are, but at least like 50. 56. But you're 56? Yeah, I didn't win the gold till I was 30. 56 going on 40, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. That's a, he's, and he's got a, he's got a 50 year contract here. I was talking to the developer <laughs> and he's got a 50 year contract. So in all seriousness, give me your perspective of the current state of, uh, of track and field generally. You know, what's interesting, every time there's a large track and field event, the Olympic Games, World Championships, and we just hosted the World Championships here in the United States in Eugene, Oregon. Right. Um, we, and, and coming off a big event, it's like, well, how can we grow the sport? How can we, you know, how can we get more participation? Participation is very high in the sport of track and field. I think the tough thing is uh, putting it on television. Yeah. Um, so the state of the sport is, is better than it's ever been. And, um, you know, I look, I look forward to seeing it continue to grow. Um, we got great decathletes coming up. Got a young kid from the University of Georgia by the name of Kyle Garland. He could be the next great American, uh, great American decathlete. And a, a young girl by the name of Anna Hall, who's trying to follow in the footsteps of Jackie Jonah Kersey. Those are pretty big footsteps <laughs> to fo follow, obviously. And what about on the college and high school level? It's awful difficult to get 
<coughs> sponsorship and budget money to bring up those world-class decathletes, isn't it? Well, if there's any area that I think is, is probably the most well-funded, it's, it's at the collegiate level, yeah. all right? Uh, there's a big gap. When, when athletes come out of college, that's where they have trouble finding funding. That's where they have trouble finding the sponsorships. But now with NIL deals, kids are staying in school longer. But everything you could, you could need to be successful in the sport of track and field or any sport, you have all those resources in college. So I feel actually a little bit jealous. You know, I look back on my college days and, and think, oh, I couldn't wait to get out of there. But that's where I had everything I needed. And if I were to call this a niche sport, you'd kill me, and it's not. But relative to football and, 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 and basketball at the college level, there's always the obligation to make sure that the NIL money and any other budget money gets uh, distributed to the other sports, golf, tennis, track and field, and the like. You think we're doing a good job, and how, how better, uh, wh what can we do better? Honestly, you know, I, I'm around college track and field. I, I still announce a lot of the big meets. I don't know anything about NIL deals, yeah. honestly. Nobody has explained it clear to, clearly to me how those work, but I am seeing, what I am seeing is athletes are staying another year, two years in school because those opportunities are there. But um, it's the Wild West, you know, yeah. and, and Nick, Saban, Nick Saban will tell you that. Yeah. I, I think there's going to have to be some real strict reform and some guidelines to follow because um, I, think there's, I think they're learning something new about it every single month. Well, and it's a news story for you to say that you don't know anything about it. You know something about it, but the <laughs> bottom line is that there is no structure where you can look at the rule book and say, oh, yeah, Rule 22.3 yeah. says NIL money has to go to some pro rata uh, a, a calculation for track and field. Uh, that doesn't exist. No, it really doesn't. It's a little frustrating yeah. um, because um, you see the disparity from a, a Division I Power 5 quarterback to a you know, track and field 100-meter sprinter or, or, or a female distance runner. Yeah. And you want to know, well, how, do, how can I bridge that gap? What can I do? You know, and I get athletes asking me, you know, what, what can they do to increase their visibility, their marketability? And um, you know, the, the questions just aren't very clear. So who are the better athletes? Here we go. Uh, um, chess players, eSports <laughs> players, football players, or decathletes? It's like, uh, how do I answer that question? Okay, okay. So this is an easy question to answer because Michael Smith was a, was a competitor of mine from Canada, Kenora, Canada. Um, he was uh, second at the World Championships. He, he had, was a Canadian record holder for a long time. But if we were to judge who the better athlete is, so what is athleticism? Running, jumping, throwing. There's only a couple of uh, athletes on the both men's and women's side who can do that better than anybody else. And if that's the way you're going to judge it, running, jumping, and throwing, a decathlete can do it better than anybody. Wow. Now, who <laughs> said the criteria was running, jumping, and throwing? It's, it's the basis of athleticism, right? Should. Uh, wow. How about NASCAR drivers? I'm still trying to figure that one out. Good. You know, is it, a, is it a skill? Is it something you're born with? Is it genetics? Or is it something you can learn? That, the, the racing sports are very interesting to me. Interesting. Dan O'Brien doesn't need controversy, so we're not going to do it that way. <laughs> but I will say, what, what would you react, what would you say if uh, and when esports is accepted as an Olympic sport? You know, I would take esports ahead of a number of sports that are currently in the Olympics right now, or at least being considered as uh, exhibition sports. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure about break dancing or ballroom go. dancing, even, even surfing for that matter. Yeah. Is, is it an Olympic sport? It's right. abso absolutely a, a difficult thing. 
and uh, you know surfing by no means by no means is 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 uh, you know should be taken lightly. But you know, is it an Olympic sport? I love the traditional sports, and I I would feel really bad if we if we got rid of wrestling. I'd feel really bad if we got rid of weightlifting, which are really really yeah. traditional sports. But hey, there's a, I think there's a place for everything. Put golf in the Olympics. Yeah. I, I think it was fantastic. Esports gaming. It levels the playing field, and but I, what I love about the Olympics, and, and this is a little strange, but we saw new sports in winter, okay, winter sports, uh, uh, half pipe and big yeah, air yeah. and all that stuff. Olympic gold medal is Olympic gold medal, yeah. and when they put that thing around your neck, uh, I think it's going to mean every bit to the first guy who wins in esports or, or girl who wins in esports gaming as it did to that 1980 Olympic hockey team. Where is Dan O'Brien in five years? Where's Dan O'Brien in five years? Good question. You know, uh, uh, I, um, you know, there might be a Dan and Dave movie in the mix, so we, we might see it on the big screen. But you know, I'll, I'll be this, this far from the event. I mean, that was years ago. Oh, sorry. That's people are right. still talking about it. Good. You know, we're, we're yeah, uh, you're right. And oh, and good. and I'm still speaking about it. And yeah, people, you are. People are still people asking about it. People are still paying me to show up. Um, you know, I'm going to be in and around the sport okay. of track and field, certainly. And my passion is to help 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 the youth of America um, just get better. And, you know, odds are you're going to see me in this place and it's going to be, uh, it's yeah. going to be bigger and better than ever. And it's going to be in other cities too, which Absolutely. is going to be a big deal. Absolutely. So my final comment. So on the scale, he won't say it, but on the scale <laughs> of, of who are athletes, all right, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's esports, uh, chess, uh, uh, baseball, uh, golf down here, uh, basketball, uh, football, decathlete. And okay. you're going to have to wedge pickleball in there somewhere. Oh, pickleball's in there somewhere, <laughs> right? Well, Dan O'Brien gives us some real perspective in the world of Olympic athletes, youth sports, and the like. Let's go and look at the Sports Tech Minute. Extract One Technologies announces a strategic investment in MSG sports, investing up to about 13 million Canadian, leading security technology company, prioritizing the patron access experience by leveraging AI. The proposed second tranche of investment consisting of about 11 million units for aggregate gross purchase of, of over that amount. And the bottom line is the relationship creates unique opportunities and benefits multiple industries. Fast, frictionless experience simultaneously providing a security solution, delivering exceptional experience in a safer environment, says the release, and certainly with the capital, they'll have the ability to prove it. That's your Sports Tech Minute. How about sports gambling this week? Identify one in Minnesota. The Minnesota Sports Betting Act touts millions in annual revenue projected for the state. It's by the Minnesota Gaming Association. $16 billion wagered on the Super Bowl, but more than 50 million people. Minnesota lawmakers trying to cash in on some of that action. As we know, 36 other states in D.C. now legalize sports betting, and they claim that it's Minnesota's tour. There's a bill that's introduced to show that Minnesota could generate as much as $30 million a year by legalizing sports betting. And the obvious answer is includes some things about making gambling safer. And a second bill calls for some of the money raised to go toward problem gambling resources. Well, when you introduce a couple of bills and you talk about this stuff, it inevitably has a chance to work itself out over the future. And in the future, that's exactly what this bill provides. Good Sports 5. Vans pulls out of the U.S. Open of Surfing Championship, the title sponsor and one of the largest surfing festivals in the world. 
fans can expect a fresh approach. But the bottom line is there's been a lot of, of uh, attention in the space, and hopefully they get another sponsor. ASU and Arizona report about $58 million in athletic subsidies and operating deficits in 2022. Both the Sun Devils and Wildcats reported operating losses, finishing about $3 million and 591000 in the red, respectively, in 2022, despite receiving the second-largest athletic subsidy in school history. The bottom line is, between transfer portal and other uncertainty in college athletics, ADs have their work cut out for them, but clearly these guys have the ability to succeed. Foresight Sport with Hurricane Junior Golf to support up-and-coming players. The golf tour will allow people to be involved directly as they move forward. July 14 to 16 in Reunion, the National Championship on December 2nd and 3rd in Champions Gate, all in Florida. Good for the promotion of youth golf. Penn State Athletics announces NIL resource partnerships with Infill CR and Accelerate Sports Ventures. All stakeholders work closely with student-athletes to protect their interests and ensure they understand their responsibilities as they enter into NILs. And New Era Cap announces Super Bowl 57 Champions Collection with the Chiefs. The money obviously goes to New Era, but there is an earmarking that also goes to charity per NFL. And with a great game that happened, certainly the bottom line is everybody benefits. That's on the record for this week. We'd like to thank Dan O'Brien and the legacy folks, Chad Miller, Randy Miller, for making the tour a memorable experience. Like to thank Nick Nielsen for helping to put this together. Like to thank you for listening, watching, and join us next week when we remain on the record inside the $1.3 trillion business of sports. I'm the sports professor, Rick Haro. Speak with you next time.